What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 43 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Tuesday, June 29th. Uh, you know, beautiful sunny skies here in Southern California. Uh, still, I mean, not much to complain about with weather, not much to complain about with life. Um, it is getting pretty, you know, it's as weird as it is, it is, you know, you're like, oh, you live in California. It's always nice weather, of course, but uh, recently it's been a lot more, I'd say humid, a lot more hot. Um, and, uh, because of that, I've been getting a lot more bud bites. I don't know if it's just my house or the one, you know, my girlfriend's house, or I don't know if it's anybody else. Um, but I've been noticing a lot more bud bites, which has been annoying. Uh, but that just comes with summer and it getting more hot, uh, something that's, um, you know, kind of a reoccurring thing every year. But besides that, like I said, nothing to really complain about. Um, I'm not even sponsored uh, for the next thing that I'm about to talk about, but if you're a movie person and you like going to the movies as much as I do um, and you already hate the fact that you have to pay, you know, 12, 13, 15 dollars per per ticket um, on top of, you know, whatever you decide to get at the concessions, if you do, um, I highly, highly, highly suggest you look into the Regal Unlimited Pass. Like I said, I'm not even sponsored, but I copped uh, the Regal Unlimited Pass. Um, there's three options. You can pay, it's like 18, 20, 50, or 23, 50, I believe. Um, and really the only difference between all of these different prices is how many Regal locations you're able to go to. Like if you get the $18 one, um, I, I, I think it's just, you know, like it's literally just like you have less options, um, in terms of like which movie theater you can go to. But if you get that $23.50 like one, uh, you can go to literally any Regal and you can see any movie you want for free. Obviously you're paying that $23.50 per month. Um, and if you buy your ticket on the app, you literally just have to pay 50 cents. But if you were to use it, um, and buy your ticket in person and use your pass, it's free. So you really just have to pay 50 cents to, you know, reserve your seat. Cause that's literally just how the movie theaters work nowadays. You, you know, with the whole reserving seat situation and, you know, coming back from the pandemic and everything, but it's only 50 cents with this Regal pass. And like I said, if you go in person, it's free. Um, and it's 23.50 a month. And I'm, like I said, I am not sponsored, but this has definitely been the clutchest thing uh, in in uh, in summer for me personally. Like I said, I, I think I copped it uh, right at the end of May. I think it was like May 30th, and I'm literally on my app right now. I've already seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven movies in the past month, and I have three movies that are on... Um, I've already gotten my tickets for. I'm very excited to see The Purge on Thursday, The Forever Purge. I didn't even realize they were making a new one. Uh, I mean, I heard about the TV show that they were making, uh, and I think it's already out, but I didn't even know they were making another Purge, so definitely down to run that. Me and my girlfriend have watched all of them together, so that should be a fun time. Uh, Friday, there's this new movie called Zola. Um, I had never seen. I had never seen any previews for it. Um, or even heard anything about it, uh, but the description honestly made me uh, pretty interested in watching it, and like I said, when you have this pass, I think that's also the freedom that it gives you is, you know, like I said, it, it costs money to go to the movies, 
just like everything else but we all know like you know what i mean it, it that shit adds up especially at the movie theater and i think when you have this pass it, it just makes you more open to going to see movies that maybe uh before you you might have thought oh i mean you know i'll wait for it to come out on streaming services or wait for it to come out um you know on dvd and i can buy it then or whatever the case may be but i think with this pass it's really just giving me like the mindset of like i'm gonna literally see every fucking movie because i'm paying 50 cents if not anything um <laughs> to go see it like why if i have this pass for unlimited movies why would i not go see it um but this movie zola also is coming out on friday along with the purge but um and i'm gonna see this one on friday so i'll see the purge on thursday and i have zola planned for friday i guess it's about a waitress who creates a friend who who finds you know a new friend uh and this friend seduces her to join a weekend of dancing and partying in florida and what it see what at first seems like a glamorous trip transforms into a 48-hour journey involving um you know a lot more things than you know a glamorous trip so uh you know sounds interesting enough for a friday night date night movie <laughs> with my girl um and then of course fast nine the fast saga i'm gonna be able to see that on tuesday finally wanted to watch a couple more of them before uh before i saw uh you know the ninth one um but uh like i said very if you are you know into movies if you love going to the movies uh but you just you know are the same as me and a lot of other people and just think that shit adds up uh you don't have you know tons of money to spend i highly suggest i mean 23.50 a month cannot beat that deal for unlimited movies but that's that's enough with that i i just i thought i might uh you know maybe get sponsored by regal shout out regal uh if y'all want to make me a partner or something that'd be lit but no i mean i just think this is a huge a huge um you know just invest like a very clutch investment uh, i mean if you have nothing to do someday you're just like wow i may maybe i should just go see the movie i mean that's what i've been doing and it's honestly been really good i i haven't seen a bad movie yet like and it, like i said there's been some movies that i just wouldn't have ever thought of going to um or just would have waited truthfully because i just didn't want to spend the money on it um but i've been able to watch them and and enjoy it i feel like that like i guess that i I feel like you start to go to the movies, of course, you know, you always see those, there's always those bad movies here and there, but um, it's always nice to, you know, kind of just form your own opinion, and I mean, you know, there's a reason why there's so much money put into these films, and, you know, it takes years to put this shit together, um, so I mean, the least you can do uh, is go view it if, it if it's possible, and, you know, form your own opinion on that, um, you know, I know how complicated it can be. Uh, in terms of, you know, directing, writing, acting, whatever it may be, and everything that goes into a project. So might as well give it the respect and, and watch it before you just instantly go to Rotten Tomatoes and look at the credit scores and, you know, just think to yourself, nah, fuck it. I'm not going to go see this movie. It, it looks like it's a bad movie, but that's just a bunch of other people's opinions. Um, and of course, like I said, it's, it's tough when you're trying to pick one movie and you don't want to like, you know, you're not trying to go to five movies and spend, you know, literally 60, $70 just on tickets alone. And you want to pick like one or two movies like per month and, you know, make sure you see those big blockbusters like the fast fear, the fast and the furious or a quiet place or, you know, something like that. So I get it, but definitely, 
I think this pass has allowed me to do that, and I highly suggest anybody that is interested to just download the Riedel app and cop it because I'm telling you, it is as easy as it sounds. And if you and your friends or um, if somebody else you know has a Riedel pass, you can also add them to be your friend on here, and you can literally buy their ticket as well, and it's the same. I mean, as long as they have a pass, obviously, it's free. Um, with their unlimited movies, um, or you can just buy extra tickets for people that don't have a pass, so you could still utilize your free movie discount um, and just you know simply buy for everybody else and they Venmo you or something. But yeah, that's that's my plug. Shout out Regal. I hope y'all you know hear this. I hope you guys hear the support from your boy, and I hope that maybe we can get something going because that that would be very clutch. I mean Regal extremely clutch for these passes and i just had to had to plug it because i mean gotta help a bunch of people out but like i said today monday i mean on monday tuesday june 29th beautiful summer day um and of course by now we would honestly be done with the nba we'd be done we'd be uh into the off season maybe the i don't know if the draft would necessarily happen but i think the lottery would have at least um would have at least happened. I know the lottery already happened and everything, but I was just trying to think in terms of a regular year. We'd already be past the NBA Finals, but uh, we're still in the uh, Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I want to get into some basketball news. Of course, the last time before my birthday, we were still in those uh, Western Conference and Eastern Conference semifinals in key game fives. Uh, and of course, that was when I freaking went on vacation, so I didn't get the chance to talk about it, but I wanted to quickly highlight what happened in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference semifinals to lead us to where we're at today in the finals of each of those two uh, conferences. Of course, um, in, in the Atlanta and Philadelphia series, um, going into Game 5, the series was tied 2-2, um, and in Game 5, Atlanta was able to take the victory over Philadelphia, take a 3-2 to two series lead. Uh, this was a game where we saw Trey Young go off for 39 points. Uh, he played 40 minutes, 10 for 23 from the field. Uh, James Collins, uh, Jimmy Collins, 19 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, Gallinari off the bench, 16 points. Um, this is also a game that saw Joel Embiid, have 37 and 13 Seth Curry have 36 and 7 um and they were simply the only Philadelphia 76ers to make a field goal in the second half and that's exactly why they lost this game I mean the three other starters Tobias Harris the dark horse of this playoffs like I have been talking about four points four rebounds Ben Simmons eight points nine assists four rebounds it's just not going to get it done. You know, and nobody else in double figures for the 76ers besides Joel Embiid and Seth Curry. And of course, like I just said, they were the only two people to score in the second half. I mean, Philadelphia top seed in the East. They were up 24 in the third quarter with 210 left. And of course, the Doc Rivers curse continues. I mean, they had a 99.7% chance to win when they were up by 24 in this third quarter. And boom. All shit happened. All all shit unloaded. And I mean, I was at Chili's watching this game with my girl. We were just out, um, you know, on a casual date, and I was just up. You know, I looked up at the stream. It's like it was it was eighty five to sixty one in the third with two ten left. 
Um, I mean, I, I watched it. I want to say we got there in like the middle of the second quarter. Um, so I was just seeing, you know, the 76ers dominating. Of course, they were playing at home. And I was just like, okay, you know, like, trust me. I, I love me some Trey Young. I love Ice Cold Trey. Um, but I was just like, you know, the 76ers, they're, they're, they've been here. They've lost key games. They've, they've had the experience. You know, they're going to they're gonna pull it out. Doc Rivers, you know, as much as mean as he is uh, when it comes to losing um, games where he's been leading or even series that he's been leading, uh, looks like they're going to finally get it done. And for them to lose this game five, I think this was a huge momentum killer. Um, like I said, 99.7% chance to win. Uh, with about 14 minutes left to play and up 24 and could not get it done. Um, but in game six, they were able to get it done, tie the series up 3-3, three to three, push a game seven back in Philadelphia, excuse me, as they were able to beat the Hawks in game six, 104-99. to 99. Uh, Like I said, able to push it to a game seven behind, uh, you know, three of their starters having 20 points. Um, and Matsy off the bench with 16, uh, just some other people, uh, stepping up, um, and on the other side of the ball able to, I mean, you're not able to stop Trey Young. This man still had 34, five and 12, but able to limit the other starters. Um, I mean, uh, Kyle Huter, I mean, he had 17, uh, Clint Capella had 14, but besides that, nobody else scored in double figures. So able to limit the Hawks in this one, but game seven, all Trey Young, all Atlanta, all Kyle Huter. I don't know how to say his last name. Huter? Huter? I don't really know how to say his last name. I know he's just their white shooter, uh, the white shooter on Atlanta. I think his name is Kyle Huter. Huter. Whatever. It's fine. But they were able to win game seven. Able to take the the series from the number one overall seeded Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, able to send them home at their own place as they won this one 103 to 96. Like I said, Trey Young with 21, Kyle Herder with 27. Uh, you know, the, all the other starters with 10 plus. It was just all Atlanta in this one. Um, and on the other side of the ball, I mean, Joel Embiid definitely showed up with 31 and 11. Tobias Harris with 24 and 14. Um, even Seth Curry, three for five from the three-point line, 16 points. But Ben Simmons with only five points. He did have 13 assists, but uh, just not aggressive when it mattered. And it definitely cost the 76ers the, the series, definitely cost the 76ers, um, you know, a chance to fight for um, the Eastern Conference, uh, get yeah, back to that Eastern Conference finals and, and really uh, – fight for their chance to win uh the chip but i mean ben simmons you I mean 22 for 67 from the line this the postseason 32.8 percent. i mean that's the second worst in, uh postseason field goal percentage i mean free throw percentage of all time um and it's the worst non-center it's worse that a non-center has shot from the line in a postseason um of all time the only other person to shoot worse uh, was Andre Dadala, who shot 41.5% from the line um, during the Warriors 2015 championship run. I would have never have guessed that, uh, but I mean, that was the only person that has shot uh, just as worse, um, just as bad, I mean, not just as worse, just as bad as Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons still does get the crown for the worst non-center shooting uh, free throw percentage of all time in the postseason at 328 
but I just thought that was crazy. 22 for 67 from your starting point guard as well. Um, you know, Doc Rivers after this series, um, you know, saying he simply doesn't know if Ben Simmons is going to be the point guard in, in, in uh, the future for the 76ers. Um, you know, it's tough to tough to evaluate the situation. A lot of people are saying it's a mental thing, um, and it's it's really just about confidence. But then you think and put into perspective that this is Ben Simmons' fourth year. You know, this we're not we're not uh, talking about when he was first coming in. Excuse me. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Um, we're not talking about when he first came into the league, and he was uh, you know. Just uh, extremely dominant still. He still is. He's still extremely dominant. He's still a very, very, very talented player. There's no doubt about that. But if you if you are able to increase his offensive production by 50%, I'd say, he would be that much more dominant. And that's all it takes. It's not like he, we're talking about a miraculous um, you know, turn of events. But just shoot the fucking ball. Like, what? Are you, what's going on, my guy? You know, that's why it's like a lot of people are thinking it's an immensal or is it literally like physical? Like he simply, I know he shot the ball and it's it's been pretty tough uh, when it comes to that. Um, you know, the percentages aren't really there. And, you know, just simply seeing a man that can't really hit a jumper to save his life. But um, like you said, it's it, are, are we are we going to continue this? Is this going to be a, a, a thing that's just going to last your entire career? Are you always going to be... Uh, you know, just that that facilitator that can just, you know, drive and, and take anybody to the rack. And I mean, if you're able to do that, you got to work on your free throws, though. I mean, that's 45 points you left on the on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that free throws are free throws, but still like, like I mean, the 76 just probably would have damn near won this series um and won it with with uh, you know something more than you know a game seven victory if ben simmons was like i said increased his offensive production by at least 50 percent at the least if you do that i mean sky's the limit honestly so um it sucks uh but hawks are able to move on advance face the winner of the milwaukee brooklyn series who was also in a game five of course when i Went on a break, and this game five actually went to the Nets to be able to take a three-two lead over the Butts. Uh, Kevin Durant with one of the m most brilliant playoff performances I think I've ever seen in my life: forty-nine points, seventeen rebounds, ten assists, sixteen for twenty-three from the field, four for nine from three. Played all forty-eight minutes. It was just sensational, and I mean, Steve, even Steve Nash after the game, there was this clip of him like in slow motion, like hugging him and getting all hyped with him. But um, I mean, it, Giannis is thirty-four and twelve. Chris Middleton's twenty-five. Uh, Brooke Lopez had fifteen. Drew Holiday had nineteen. Um, it just wasn't enough for Kevin Durant in the forty-nine point triple double. Um, that he put on, I mean, it was just sensational, and I, I don't know how else you're supposed to stop that, I mean, the butts were up 29 to 15 after the first, they were up 59 to 43, um, at the half, and then they just collapsed the same way the Sixers did in their game five performance, um, and the Nets were able to take control, and, uh, Kevin Durant does what he does best, and he, he just killed them, like, he really did, um, and, you know, Pushed them to a game six in Milwaukee, uh, where 
I mean, they were able, the Butts were able to bounce back, able to uh, honestly win pretty convincingly as well. One hundred four to eighty nine. Um, we we saw uh, Giannis have thirty and seventeen. Chris Middleton had thirty eight and ten. Uh, and then Drew Holiday added twenty one points and eight rebounds, five assists. I mean, that's a great performance by your you know your bid three really. That's uh, you know, exactly what you're asking for in an elimination game at home from those guys. And uh, they delivered. And uh, Kevin Durant still 32 points, 11 rebounds. But, I mean, not much else, not much help uh, anywhere else. Blake Griffin had 12 points and 6 rebounds. James Harden had 16 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. But the loss of Kyrie definitely was felt in this one way more than Game 5. And uh, the Butts were able to bounce back, beat them. Force a Game 7 in Brooklyn, and this is where the Butts were able to get a Game 7 victory in overtime over the Nets, 115-111. to 111. I mean, this was one of the best playoff games of, the, of this postseason. Kevin Durant, again, with another masterful performance, 48 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, played all 53 minutes. Um, all of the other starters for Brooklyn had at least 15. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, Giannis, 40 points, 13 rebounds. Chris Middleton, 23. And the rest of them had 10-plus points. Um, and, I mean, if it wasn't in Kevin Durant's word, in Kevin Durant's words for his big-ass foot, they the Nets would have won. They would have won the series um, if you guys were not watching this game, um, Kevin Durant shot a fadeaway. It looks like a three, uh, with about two seconds left on the clock, made it, they reviewed it, and they saw clearly, it wasn't like it was a very close call, it, honestly, it was, but like he said, it was his, it was like his big toe was on the line, it was pretty clear and obvious, it wasn't like it was a huge debate, but... It was definitely unfortunate for Kevin Durant as that instead of putting them up by one with about 1.5 seconds or something like that, um, it tied the game, sent it to overtime, and that's where the Butts were able to win. So, uh, like I said, Kevin Durant after the game, my big-ass foot stepped on the line. I'd just seen the little string shot, how close I was to ending the, their season off that shot, but it wasn't God's plan. So, it looked like Kevin Durant was able to, you know, quickly... Uh, compose himself and kind of just accept what happened. I mean, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, you just played all 53 minutes. You scored 49. You did everything you can. He left it all on the floor, and it just didn't fall his way um, in this one for for the Nets. But uh, the Butts able to beat the – I mean, like I said, I, I when the Nets went up 2-0 in this series, I was talking a lot of shit. I was, you know, pretty convinced that the Nets were just going to win the championship – uh, but Kyrie going down, um, the Butts really making the proper adjustments in order to really um, get the Nets, you know, discomfort uh, their their discomfort level up. Um, really put some pressure on those other guys. I mean, I think they just kind of allowed Kevin Durant to do whatever the fuck he wanted to do because, I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Um, but their I think their focus started shifting to. Um, forcing those, you know, letting, making it as hard as possible for Kevin Durant, but making those other players beat you on top of it. That's exactly what, uh, you know, we saw in games one and two, you know, we saw, um, 
you know, we, we saw some of their uh, the Nets bench and, you know, f- number four, number five options, you know, went off for 15, went off for 20. Like Jeff Green had 29 or something like that in game two. So making those other people stop you, realizing, you know, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, but as long as you make it as hard as f- hit on him as possible, try to wear him down as much as possible. And then when it comes to these other guys making it, just as tough and if not impossible for them to score that's the best chance you're gonna uh you're gonna have to beat the nets especially when they don't have Kyrie anymore um and James Harden is still dealing with his hamstring injury so it was definitely uh good to see um you know the butts able to make adjustments being able to move past the eastern conference semis move to the finals uh really get a huge victory um when it when it comes to Giannis's uh, Giannis and his uh, search for his first title, uh, I mean this game also saw a combined five field goal attempts from the bench. That was the fewest in any playoff game uh, since that. Uh, what's it called? That was even trapped in the 1970-1971 season. So, uh, I mean, it, it was a starter show. It really was. All the best players were on the floor at all times in this one, and the Butts were able to take the victory, move on to the Eastern Conference Finals, face Trey Young and the number five seeded Hawks, who simply are not going away, it seems like. And that's where it leads us to game one of this series, <coughs> excuse me, where Trey Young and the Hawks were able to go into Milwaukee and take a game one victory, 116 113. Trey Young with 48 points in this one, 7 rebounds, 11 assists. Uh, James Collins, 23 points, 15 rebounds. Twin Capella, 12 points, and 19 rebounds. Absolutely dominated the boards against this Milwaukee team who is big. You know, they're known for their height. They're known for their length. And for, you know, some of these guys that have 15, 19 rebounds against this Butts team, it just shows that they wanted it more in game one. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Giannis had 34 and 12. Um, you know, Drew Holiday had 33 and 10. But besides that, the only other person to score in double digits was Chris Middleton. And he had a really bad performance. Uh, you know, not up to the standards of Chris Middleton. Fit only 15 points in this one. 0 for 9 from the three point line. Sits for 23 from the field, so definitely not in the butts' favor as the Hawks are able to take this one 116 to 113. Trey Young, like I said, the most uh, the most points scored or assisted on in a conference or division finals game of all time, as he scored or assisted on 72 points in this first game. Um, I mean, this moved the Hawks. in this postseason to three and zero in game ones. I mean, and that, and I mean, for it to be his first postseason, it's pretty impressive. Uh, but in game two, you could definitely feel um, that the Bucks were ready to go a lot. Like they were, they were more ready to go than they were in game one, and and they definitely took that uh, that in stride in game two as they were able to absolutely smoke the Hawks one twenty five to ninety one, uh, able to move the series to one apiece. Um, Trey Young only had 15 points, probably his worst performance of the playoffs this uh, postseason. And the only other person to have double digits um, was Gallinari with 12, and he was coming off the bench. But yeah, Trey Young, one for eight from the three point line. Uh, definitely, 
not his best performance uh, in the postseason. The the Butts definitely able to limit his production in this one. And Giannis with 25, 9, and 6. Chris Middleton finished with 15 again. Still only went 2 for 7 from the three-point line, but able to bounce back um, in other ways. Um, as, I mean, Drew Holiday finished with 22, Brooke Lopez with 16. The Butts were just, they were much more ready to go. I mean, their 34-point 34, 34 win was the second largest in a conference division finals um, after losing game one. Um, I mean, for them to rebound like that, of course, that was huge. Headed into Atlanta for games uh, three and four. You know, tying the series up, not making sure your home court is somewhat protected, not necessarily going down 0-2, and, and then also having to go on the road for the next two games. So that was very key. And it it showed as Game 3, the Butts were able to take a 113-102 win over the Hawks uh, behind Chris Middleton's 38 points, finally able to erupt in this uh, Eastern Conference Finals, finally able to have a breakout game after only scoring 15 in Games 1 and 2. Uh, able to have 11 rebounds as well, 7 assists. Giannis, 33 points, 11 rebounds in this one. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Trey Young did have 35 points, 4 assists. Uh, but Jamie Collins and Kyle Herter um, were the only other people to score in double digits as the Butts were able to take this one, 113 uh, to 102. Um, but like I said, I mean, this this Hawks team is is truly relentless. Uh, I mean, I know they're down 2-1 right now, but Trey Young, um, having scored 20-plus points and 7-plus assists in 11 straight postseason games, uh, actually tied the longest streak in NBA postseason history. Um, you know, he scored or assisted on 536 points this postseason, and that's the most ever by a player in his first 10 career playoff games. So if the Hawks are able uh, to do anything, um, it's going to be because of this man, all the records he's been breaking, the respect that needs to be due uh, to him after this postseason, and everybody t counting him out, especially when it comes to comparing him to Luka. Uh, and Luka hasn't even won a playoff series yet. Um, so, you know, Game 4 tonight at 5.30 in Atlanta. Huge Game 4. Will Milwaukee be able to take a 3-1 lead headed back to Milwaukee? Or will the Hawks be able to tie it up 2-2 headed back home for a pivotal Game 5? We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that catches us up with the Eastern Conference Finals, where that's at. I, I really think that, um, you know, the Hawks are a team that you don't want to linger. You don't want to give them any chance, any hope. Any anything in regards to, you know, what's going to happen in that series. And, um, you know, if you are able to stomp them down early and, and truly put them away, uh, that's got to be the game plan because this is a team that is so scrappy, a team that if you give them any bit of daylight, they're going to take it. They're going to follow Trey Young, but they're also going to follow their veterans, Gallinari. They're going to follow Lou Will. They're gonna follow uh, Clint Capella. You know, this is a team that has a lot of a lot of young talent, but also a good mix of veteran presence. Where if you do give them daylight, if you do give them something to work with, they're going to fucking take advantage of it. So it's gonna be a very good game tonight. Excuse me, I'm very excited to watch, um, and I am very excited to talk about uh, you know my thoughts after the game. Uh, my prediction, personally, I got the Butts 118 to 111 over the Hawks. So that's my Game 4 prediction. We will see 
if I am correct, and we, I am very excited to talk about that. But let's get on to the Western Conference side. Of course, uh, another Game 5 that I uh, was getting prepared for uh, in the Western semifinals was the Los Angeles Flippers and the Utah Jazz. As the Flippers started this series down 2-0, was able to tie it 2-2, headed back to Utah for a pivotal Game 5. And this is where the Clippers were able to beat the Jazz 119-111. to um, I mean, Paul George was playoff P in this one. 37 points, 16 rebounds, 16 rebounds. Um, Marquis Morris, or Marcus Morris, 25 points, uh, 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Reggie Jackson continues to play well in these playoffs as well, 22 points. Um, I mean, it was just a great performance, not even a great, an astonishing, like an astonishing performance from Paul George. I mean, this man really said, fuck all y'all in this one. I'm going to carry this team without Kawhi. And he dropped 37, 16 in a pivotal game five to put them up three to two. Um, I mean, Donovan Mitchell only had 21 in this one. Bad Donovich was their leading scorer with 32, but you know, all the other starters had 10 plus, but just not enough for playoff P and the Clippers <coughs> as they were able, excuse me, there as they were able to take this one. Uh, th- like I said, Paul George able to put up numbers that no other Clipper in a playoff game has. Um, and like I said, with no Kawhi on the road, it was just a really, really, really pivotal performance and could have changed the entire series, of course, if if Paul George doesn't play the way he does. But headed into game six, the Clippers were 0-8 all-time um, with the chance to clinch a conference finals appearance, which was the longest streak in NBA history. Um, and the only there was only one other team in all of the major sports to lose more conference finals clinching games in a row then the Clippers, and that was the Athletics, who lost nine straight. So uh, headed into this one, this was going to be that ninth game. You know, are they going to finally be able to clinch a spot in the conference finals, uh, go down in the history books uh, to, you know, reach their first conference finals, or were they going to lose another game? Were they going to have to be forced to a game seven on the road, have to go back to Utah and win there? But no, I mean, again, Paul George... And the Clippers able to beat the Jazz 131-119 in L.A. Uh, Terrence Mann had a career-high 39 points, uh, leading scorer of the game. Uh, Paul George, 28 points, 9 rebounds. Reggie Jackson with 27 and 10. Um, and Nicholas Batum with 16. And on the other side of the ball, Donovan Mitchell had 39-9-9, but simply not enough for the Slippers team as they were able to win the series 4-2, advance to face the winner, of um the sun series but of course the suns had already swept at that point so of course clippers suns western conference finals matchup uh and in game one it was it was the suns who took game one 120 to 114 uh uh, devin booker had his first career triple double in this one as he finished uh with 40 points 13 rebounds and 11 assists just simply brilliant brilliant performance just like kevin durant's 40 point performance was uh, i mean devin booker played all but four minutes in this one the uh leading minutes uh had the most minutes in this one and uh simply took advantage of all of it 40 point triple double deandre aiden had 20 and 9 uh and all their all three other starters had 10 plus um and on the other side of the ball paul george did play good finished with 34 points four rebounds and five assists 
Reggie Jackson had 24, but no other Clipper finished with double digits besides them. And the Suns were able to take advantage of that win, 120 to 114. Uh, behind Devin Booker's 40-point triple-double, he became the third youngest player in NBA history to record a 40-point triple-double in the playoffs um, as the only other players to do that as Luka and Oscar Robinson. Of course, uh, you know, some pretty good names to be be around. Um, and then uh, Devin Booker, the sixth player in NBA history to record multiple 40-point games in his first career postseason. And he also joined, again, Luka, LeBron, Rick Barry, Will Chamberlain. I mean, some big, big names. Uh, I mean, Luka is obviously still proving himself, but the numbers that he puts up is is in that in that category as well. So, um, you know, he became the first Suns player to record that triple-double since Steve Nash, which is, you know, arguably the greatest point guard in Suns history. So uh, definitely um, something to be, you know, hyped about. Sits game with 30-plus points. It was, it was just a brilliant performance by Devin Booker. Um, and, I mean... Like I said, on the other side of the ball, Paul George still played well, still had 34. He became the fourth player, um, you know, to have 20-plus in his team's first 14 games. Uh, you know, the only other players to do that, KD, James Harden, and LeBron. So, Paul George, as much as it is, as much fun as it is to clown on him, he definitely does deserve his props from this postseason um, as, you know, he's just been playing well, and the Clippers have needed him to play well. If, if we had Pandemic P... Um, I, I just don't even know if the Clippers would have gotten past the Jazz, uh, you know, the, the, for them to win games five and six against the Jazz and for them to still be competing to the highest level with Phoenix right now without Kawhi, it, it has everything to do with Paul George and of course the rest of the, you know, the supporting cast, obviously, but Paul George is that engine right now. Kawhi normally is, but Paul George has to be that engine and he's proving that he has no problem being it. So Headed into game two, pivotal game. Uh, Phoenix down 103 to 102 with about 1.2 seconds left. And, uh, and uh, you know, DeAndre Aiden able to catch an alley-oop from the out-of-bounds, able to sink it. Phoenix was able to win 104 to 103. Uh, like I said in this one, uh, DeAndre Aiden, the hero, able to hit a buzzer beater alley-oop from out-of-bounds for the win. Devin Booker with, finished with 20 points and four rebounds. Cameron Payne was the leading scorer in this one with 29 uh, as he filled in the starting point guard role for CP3, who was still uh, out due to COVID protocols. And then DeAndre Aiden, probably the player of the game, 24 points, 14 rebounds um, as he was everywhere. And, I mean, it was everywhere to the very last second as that Suns were able to take this one 104 to 103. Uh, crazy alley-oop to finish a game. I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, that was the ninth straight playoff win from the Suns. Headed into L.A., up 2-0. Um, but in Game 3, the Clippers able to take one back, able to win 106-92. Chris Paul was able to return in this one, but um, still wasn't enough for the Suns as uh, Paul George finished with 27-15. and um, Reggie Jackson again, 23. This man has just been 20 plus, 20 plus, 20 plus every game, uh, really stepping in, uh, when needed. Um, and on the other side of the ball, um, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, both finished with 15, DeAndre Aiden with 18, Mar uh, Marcus Bridges with 13. So pretty balanced, but not enough, uh, to beat this Slippers team headed into game four, still up two one. Um, but the, you know, unfortunately lost game three. 
um, and definitely took that uh, in stride as in Game 4, the Suns were able to beat the Clippers 84-80, to able to take a 3-1 to series lead over the Clippers, um, and, you know, head back uh, to Phoenix, up 3-1, hopefully clinch a Game 5. This is a game that, like I said, 84-80, to very low scoring, not a lot of buckets, very good defense, um, the leading scorer in this one was Devin Booker with 25. I mean, I think that, you know, shows there wasn't anybody that was super spectacular in this one. It was a very gritty game, um, you know, very back and forth the entire time. Uh, but the Suns just simply able to outlast the Clippers in this one, um, and move into game five up three, one, like I said, going back home. Um, and that pushed the Clippers this postseason. Um, after game four, they were officially 0-6 in games one and two in all the series. And then that was their first loss in games three through seven, where they've outscored opponents by an average of 12.6 points per game. So obviously very slow starts by the Clippers this postseason, but nine and nine and zero headed into this one in games three and seven. So that was the first loss, um, that wasn't a game one or two from the Clippers this postseason, um, and of course, uh, I mean, that's the type of thing you want. That's the type of, you know, of course you don't want to go down zero and two, but you want to win those games three through seven. Uh, you want to win those games when it really truly matters. Um, and I, I feel like that's exactly what we were able to see in game five as Paul George was able to have a career high 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists and, uh, three steals. As the Clippers were able to take Game 5 uh, in Phoenix, able to push uh, the series to t uh, three games to two, 116-102. to 102. Um, I mean, the Clippers now have seven wins straight when trailing in a playoff series. Um, or not seven wins straight, just seven wins in general when playing, uh, trailing in the playoff series. And that's the most in NBA history. I mean, it helps that they've been starting every series down 2-0, but still having seven wins when trailing, not getting too down on themselves, but continuing to grind, continuing to push. Uh, Paul George, the second player with 40 points, 10 rebounds and five assists while shooting 75% from the field, 75%. I mean, this was Paul George's game. He, like I said, another, Another elite company game as he joins Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, uh, as t he um, had 20-plus now in each of the first 18 games in a postseason. So definitely some amazing company to be with. Uh, Ty Lu as well, calm under pressure, the king under pressure, 10-2. and two all time when facing elimination and including this postseason he's three and oh so we'll see i mean game sits uh is tomorrow i believe game yeah because tonight is game five of or i mean tonight is game four of the eastern conference finals and tomorrow is game sits of the western conference finals gonna be very very good matchups very excited for you know just these these games uh, i mean come on this these uh these final these uh conference finals games have been very close um except for game two of the eastern conference finals where the butts just annihilated the hots but um very excited for these games i i'm um honestly for i already predicted game four for the butts but for game six in phoenix i am going to predict 
a Phoenix Suns win, 105-102. to They're going to take the series 4-2 and head to the finals. Chris Paul for the first time in his career. Um, and like I said, the Butts tonight, 118-104. So uh, very excited to talk about these games in the next coming days. Uh, but moving on into some more NBA news, uh, a lot of head coaching news um, in the past uh, week or so as Rick Carl, uh, Carlisle, uh, excuse me, excuse me, geez, I had Chipotle before um, I did the podcast and I feel like that always makes me burp the most. So, of course, that's happening now. It's not the best decision by myself, but um, he has become the new head coach of the Pacers. He was previously the Pacers head coach from 2003 to 2007, uh, but um, he and he did post a 552 winning percentage, which is the fifth best in French in that franchise's NBA history. So, uh, Nets Pacers head coach, the Nets Trailblazers head coach is going to be Chauncey Billups, as he was. Uh, he reached an agreement uh, on a five-year contract to become the Nets head coach of the Portland Trailblazers and the Nets head coach of Damian Lillard and uh, company. See if they can um, finally get past some of their playoff woes in the past few years and and move past the first round. Um, and a huge, the huge trade that's happened, the first trade for Brad Stevens as the new uh, GM of the Celtics at, was Kemba Walker, the number 16 overall pick in the 2021 draft and a 2025 second round pick uh, to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and twenty in the 2023 second round pick. So, um, you know, kind of a blockbuster deal, not really, not even close to, you know, some of these other major deals we saw with the Nets. But, I mean, when is that really ever a deal? You know what I mean? Like, they got, they have three first, first rounds away. So, it's like, that's, that was unheard of. Um, but, um, for Kemba Walker to be leaving the Celtics, uh, Alf Horford gonna be reuniting in the, in the, uh, you know, Celtics uniform. I, I'm sure that'll be, um, interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, but for some reason, it, it seems like the Celtics wanted their guy back and uh, they got their guy back. So, um, you know, I, I felt like Kemba Walker, I think his, um, you know, unfortunately his uh, health and um, not being able to really stay healthy when it truly mattered. I think that's kind of what came down to um, them having to make that decision and kind of have to move forward and try to figure out, you know, the best situation for them. And it, it looks like they, they feel like this is it. So, um, you know, we'll see what how that all plays out. Uh, but like I said, very excited for game four tonight, game six tomorrow. Um, and I'm very excited that, uh, you know, baseball is in the full swing of things. I know we got really into Padres baseball, but today in 15 minutes, actually, Padres will be taking on the red start of a three-game series in Cincinnati. Very excited for that. Uh, very excited to see how the Padres uh, react to um, react to their nine and one homestand. If they're able to carry that over to the road, where there's been some struggles this year, so uh, stay tuned for that. I hope you all had a great uh, you all have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, um, and yeah, I I very much looking forward to uh, seeing you all very soon. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you see you all in the very near future.